I, I want to find God in everything I read. I want to see that. And I, I typically do that. Other people are just kind of vying for the, that same existential question we all have that we think we're going to get through discovering something in the Bible anyway, which is why we're supposed to be here and what our goal is supposed to be. So I do it with a Christian lens. I always want to try and whatever I find, go, look, that's just like what Jesus said. So that's my default. That's kind of what I grew up with. That's kind of what I've always been comfortable with. Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of the show. So there's about, I don't know, 40, the number varies weekly, of you that have pitched in at a minimum a dollar a month on Patreon. And if you haven't yet do that, you need to. There's so many different benefits there. So there's a benefit for you know getting the show early. There's another level that gets the unedited version of the show, which is my personal favorite version of the show. There's so much that happens before. Uh, I say welcome to the show, and there's a lot that happens after, and usually I'm recording for all of that. And oftentimes, especially with this episode with Danielle, there is like an entirely new version of stuff that happens after I hit, all right, we're done with the show. And then we talk about other things, and that stuff is fantastic. And then the stuff prior is also fantastic. So there there are people that have heard uh, me say that, you know, or, or if you've read the blog uh, that I have on Can I Say This at Church.com, like there's an episode with Aaron Nequist and with Alexander Shia where we talk about things before the show. That's all recorded. Uh, but at, you know, at the $5 level, those people get that version of the show. And then there's this one. So there's a level, and I forget what I've named it. I should probably come up with easier names, where I want to talk with some of the people that are the most engaged with the show, learn about them, their faith, their story, what makes them tick. And so this will be the first of a handful of episodes like that. And so Danielle Kingstrom is one of those supporters. And so she uh, was, I guess, picked, for lack of a better word, for the first one to do this uh, version of the show. So I really hope you enjoy it. So we talk about, you know, her upbringing. We talk about the shift from evangelicalism to something else. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the military. We talk about ecology and farming and life and motherhood. We just talk about so many things. Uh, but what I really love is on the telling, you know, Danielle just brings it home. Like, you know, here, what do we do? How do we live? And she just, she just nails it. Hope you enjoy it. Special episode. Danielle. Hello. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you. Welcome to, I guess, the first, I'm slightly nervous about this, the first Patreon version of, of the show. And so, A, thank you for your support of the show. And Absolutely. B, I have really enjoyed both debating with you and talking with you on Facebook, but equally it's enjoyed really both. Too. It's it's nice to sometimes disagree with someone on different things, but then mm-hmm. also agree with okay. them on other things and mm-hmm. not call each other Hitler. 
or you know, not yes. call each other, something like that. Not so, yet, anyway, though, right? I well, mean, I, I don't. Have we gotten? <laughs> so tell me about you. What makes Danielle Danielle? What is your? You know, you were born on this day and all the way to today. Don't go that far back. But what? No. But what makes you? I was born on a chilly winter night in December. No, um, <laughs> I am. What makes me me? I'm. Well, be, what makes me? busy is that I'm a mom of five. Oh my gosh. Um, I, yep. I have five, uh, spread out 19, 17, almost nine, seven and a half twins. So, um, they're spread out. I have five kids. I homeschool them. Well, I graduated one. I homeschool. I live on a farm with my husband. Um, and he's taking over his father's farm, fourth, fourth generation farm here. And we just kind of we do our own thing. We live in a bubble and we raise livestock. We have cows, we have chickens, we have sheep. Um, my husband manages a hog site. So he is responsible for 13,000 hogs every day. Rain, shine, blizzard, whiteout conditions, he's there. So that is a demanding life that requires me to be at home on guard. Um, so I have to I have to cultivate something from this space in order for, I think, for me to kind of branch out and contribute. And so my aim is through writing and podcasting. <laughs> so a couple things. So I don't, I don't really comprehend what 13,000 pigs looks like. So if you were to yeah. like try to equate that in a metaphor and say, you know, right, so Seth, you know, if one pig equals the space of like a cedar chest, here's what however many thousands of pig equal like what does that like, what's a decent <laughs> yeah. metaphor well if you take your average greenhouse that you see on the side of the road or set up at you know your local grocery store during the that during spring and you triple that and then you double it and then you double in that entire space that's one barn and that holds a thousand pigs that's yeah that's a big it's so big. put it into football fields well, I would say our nine, oh my God. Yeah. Like I even know how big a football field is really. <laughs> it's 50 yards wide by a hundred yards long. Well, I would say the space of our hog barns probably takes up two. Okay. And then we have a separate site. So three. That's, that's a lot of pigs. Yeah. That's a lot of it's pigs. It's not something that I even like saying that we do because we're so against it, you know, but it's what his dad does. And in order to take over and do what we want, we have to use this transition. So, I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, we barely even eat pork anymore. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Well, I, I don't eat pork often. And if I do, it's like, no. uh, when is it? Maybe, maybe Christmas Eve. We always have like uh, sausage and French toast. And that's like our family thing. Like go to church, come back sausage and French toast. So and look, I like, I like, I like meat. We raise our own animals. So, you know, we do that route. But in order for us to turn this farm into a more ethical and environmentally pragmatic farm, we have to start with that yeah. before we transition. But yeah, my husband's like moving super hippie green and we envision cannabis and hemp and all of our dreams come true once, you know, legal? all the legal is that legal where you're at? Um, hemp is. Hemp is and cannabis is if you go through all the 
fun paperwork. And I mean, we have visions of like converting the farm, the barns into like greenhouses and grow houses and you capitalize that way. Yeah. Sounds good. Something. So I, um, I don't know if you're like me. So, um, before or in preparation, I had time in an airport coming back from Texas to prepare for this. And so I spent some time since we're friends on Facebook going back in time just randomly scrolling and letting it end and then reading that and then doing it again. And so it seems, unless I'm wrong, that your theology has shifted somewhat over the past, I don't know, I want to say 10 years, because like I went back like sometime. You'd be surprised how many years back fly by when you just fling the iPhone up as fast as it is. So I'm curious about that, um, because that's really the itch that I always need scratched. Like the what, what has changed and why in how you see God? Um, yeah, 10 years is about when I would say my deconstructing started. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was right before me and my husband got married. Uh, my husband was okay. So growing up, our, my, my belief was always in a singular God. Um, and I grew up with the Lord's prayer. I grew up learning to say my prayers we very rarely ever went to church, you know, unless a kid was going to be baptized or we knew someone getting married, basically. And, um, it, you know, if our friends were doing the church thing, then we got to go do the church thing. When we were sick of church, we didn't have to go to church. Um, and as my my mom journeyed through her spirituality, she's kind of tagged us along. And whenever she was um, just self-educating herself on what was out there other than the Bible, or looking at the Bible a different way, she brought us along. And so I just kind of kept going with that. And then I was lucky in my high school, I was able to actually take different religious classes. I, I learned about so many different religions and Buddhism and Taoism and Taoism really struck me. Um, we had a very large Hmong community where I went to high school. And so Chinese, Cambodian, Korean, Japanese, all different cultures, all different forms of belief systems. And I was just getting drunk on learning from my friends and belief because they were eager to talk about it. They had families that were more than willing to talk about it. And I just wanted to just every perspective I could, I could drink up. I was drinking. And so, um, yeah, I just kept going forward with that up until about 10 years ago. I mean, I went through heavy practice with Buddhism. And then I went through about two or three years of Wicca and I learned so much from each, but it just wasn't enough for me. I just felt like there's more. So my husband, I met him. He was very open about his faith. Um, Grew up, you know, Lutheran conservative. He was a military dude and uh, love a country. And I wasn't in that area at the time. And I kind of was like, just whatever, let's keep our stuff separate. (laughs) And he wasn't about that. You know, like one night he's like, will you pray with me? And I just went, are you kidding me? You're one of those people. And he was serious. And I don't know something about it. I was like, oh, okay. And and he prayed over a relationship and I thought, okay. And then we kind of got tangled up in a really fundamental evangelical circle, mainly because of where I was working. I worked for this steel company and everybody went to the same church and they had daily prayer sessions and weekly Bible studies while selling steel coils. And I was like, is this even legal? You know, I was in (laughs) such a liberal mindset at the time. I was hardcore Democrat. I had 
my previous relationship before Corey was a hardcore Franken fan and Al Gore and I almost ended my relationship over me voting for Bush that year. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so he converted me hardcore liberal and then enter my husband who was Christian conservative. My whole work environment is Christian conservative. And I'm like, go Hillary. And they're going, uh-uh, <laughs> you know? And so my husband sat me down and shook the liberal out of me, but it wasn't like that. It was, what do you even believe? He was the first person that asked me what I believed and mm -hmm. stood for. And, and he was also kind of like inviting me into reading the Bible and familiarizing myself with passages, you know, cause he could say things and I'd be like, am I supposed to know where that's from? So I kind of went through this starting of a breakdown. I left the liberalism and I jumped on this conservative Christian bandwagon and I got caught up in the evangelical circles and, you know, got into this whole division and looking at other people and trying to put myself on a on a pedestal. Like I'm the good Christian. I literally did that to my whole family. I was like, mm. I'm the good Christian. You should follow suit with me. I know what I'm doing. Um, but then right before my husband deployed, it was like, I was fighting with everybody. I didn't want to be in, there was so much drama. My parents were starting to fight. And then a few years later, they ended up getting divorced, but I was right caught up in the middle of it, trying to do my own relationship. Then he's deploying. Now we're scrambling to get married and everything happened so fast that it was like this big explosion that summer, my husband deployed and so much shit hit the fan over the next couple of years. And I played around with Ravi Zacharias and Tim Keller <laughs> and um, <laughs> Ravi's voice is seducing, though. His voice is seducing. You know, it's like listening it to your grandfather. You're like, tell me more. I don't even care what you're yeah. telling me. Just and tell me more. That beautiful Indian accent on top of it. And I'm like, <laughs> he's so gentle. But then after a while, I started going, I don't really know what he's saying. He just felt like it just felt like he was saying the same thing over and over. Okay, well, he had referenced some other people. So I started looking into them. And so I got to Tim Keller. And then somehow I got to Greg Boyd. Mm. Greg Boyd shook me, wrecked everything I thought because I was like, military wife, proud of my country. And my husband, my husband fought for you and you're freedom. You know, I, I took on that mentality and I read Greg Boyd and I was like, I was so wrong. And then I do what a lot of people do is I was like, I, I swung that pendulum so far back that I was like, honey, you are, you better just, you just better condemn the military. And he's looking at me going, what, what are you talking about? You know? So then I had is all this while he was gone, while he was deployed. No, he was back. He was back when he got back. Okay. So I cheated on him while he was deployed. Uh, I, hope, and, I hope this isn't news. When I really, no. okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, everybody knows I feel like, but that's what happened. And I, I admitted it within like 40 hours. I couldn't hold it out. He mm -hmm. knew something was up. And that's when we really started acting married. Hmm. And that's when we really started fighting. And that's when we really started digging. So we just had done a lot of digging. And then my parents got a divorce after that, after he got home. And we were having kids and we were trying to do our marriage and we were trying to rebuild. And that kind of created a big shatter and divide for us with our families because it brought up his divorce or his parents' divorce. And so we were just doing a lot of digging. 
And we happened on Greg Boyd and what, that was four years ago, maybe five. And ever since then, we've just been, I more so me, I'm just kind of like pulling him along for the ride. And he's like, Mm. whatever you say, babe, I trust you, you know, or (laughs) sometimes he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's look at it again. But I do the digging and the research and I lay it all out for him. And what do you think? And we talk and, you know, and then I go and dig more. So that's what I've been doing. So I'm just thirsty to keep understanding God and to keep understanding meaning and existence. And so why Boyd? What did he, which book was it? Myth of a Christian Nation. Mm, mm, That's a good one. Have you read that? Uh, I've read parts of it. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, so that one is the easier-to-read version of his larger one, and I can't remember the name of the larger one either. It's on the bookshelf. Yeah, I have it too. No, it's not on this bookshelf. I have too too many bookshelves. (laughs) So um, the the Warrior God one. Cross Vision. There it is. Yeah. So there's a yeah. larger one that's written with bigger yeah. words. And then the, hey, let's <laughs> redo words. this. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I need nickel words. I didn't, I didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. What his God at, uh, God at war and Satan in the problem of evil. Yeah. Holy crap. Those are big bucks. He, um, they took me forever. He, uh, so I remember, so I spoke with him, oh gosh, January of 2018. It's, yeah, yeah it's, been, so it's been over a year. And there was a part, I forget even what I asked him, and he's like, Seth, stay with me, because we had the video on. He's like, I can yeah. see the juice dripping from your ears. Stay with <laughs> yeah. me. I was yeah. like, you break, I, don't, I can't, I, honestly, I want to talk with him again, but I'm scared to. Um, yeah. I don't like feeling like the dumbest person in the room, and I don't think he means to. He just, no. he's just brilliant. He, he just thinks you're on track with him. So he's just, he's just normal, rolling with normal it. conversation. And you I'm, know this, right? Yeah, you're at I'm my just, level. Yeah, I'm just nodding. <laughs> and yeah. I'm over here like, wait, what'd you say? Let me write this down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where are you at now then? So if you, you know, you were ultra Democrat and I don't know what type of religion to ultra conservative. And I, I would also assume um, when you said evangelical GOP um, yeah. and now... I'm not overly concerned with your politics, although I could probably glean that from your Facebook um, posts. Um, I try to make my posts in such a way that people don't quite actually know who I support, which is yeah. is a goal. That's the goal. Um, That's a good idea. Mystery. I, I, well, I... Mm, so one of the things, Danielle, I've been struggling with is, and hopefully you'll struggle with this as well. So the more popular the show gets, the more people listen to what I have to say which really makes me want to say less, if that yeah. makes any sense Oh, yeah, because you don't want to turn them off and make well, them go, I hate you now. No, or... I don't like the microphone. Like, I don't, really? I, I, I don't want to talk. I'm happy to talk about God and Jesus and mm-hmm. say, no, here's where I'm at. But like, when it comes to politics, I'm like, listen, here's the thing. Like, oh, yeah. there's smarter people than me that have a better, I just, I just, tend to vote for the school board here where I live yeah. and the rest of the stuff. I don't know. You don't want to have to talk about it. You f- do you, f- do you worry you might be compelled to talk about it because that's what you're Oh listening. no. So, so no, I want to talk about it, but I oh. refuse to talk about it. Um, oh. I, so yeah. I grew up ultra conservative and then went to Liberty and was, you know, gung ho for, you know, the moral majority and this, that, and the other. And then the further I get away from that, I'm like, oh, man, I don't even recognize the person that that person. Like, I just they're both broken. All all, all well, shoot. All four or five parties are are broken yeah. Um, yeah. in many different ways. And I just find it easier. 
although slightly more offensive to talk about God. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um, that's pe- true. People get angry a lot faster, mm-hmm. but at least they don't usually call me a Nazi, um, yeah. <laughs> or or something else. So what what kind of Christian would you call yourself now, or is that even the best term? Like, what would you what would you say? Yeah, I mean. I think using the term is easier for a lot of people. So then I don't have to go, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I jive with this and I dig this. I'm mostly Christian, but I'm so open to the teachings of Buddha. And I want to, f- I, f- I want to find God in everything I read. I want to see that. And I, t- I typically do that. Other people are just kind of vying for the that same existential question we all have that we think we're going to get through discovering something in the Bible anyway, which is why we're supposed to be here and what our goal is supposed to be. So I do it with a Christian lens. I always want to try and whatever I find, go, look, that's just like what Jesus said. So (laughs) that's my default. That's kind of what I grew up with. That's kind of what I've always been comfortable with. But I don't want to make a decision on what heaven or the life after is. Mm -hmm. I try and focus on what would the kingdom look like here. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe in hell and I can't wrap my head around God rejecting anyone. So I guess that would make me a universalist. Maybe. Maybe. There's some more, there's some more nuance there. I agree with you though. So one of my favorite things that I do when people put something on Facebook or shoot me an email um, mm-hmm. which happens more and more, is I'll just respond, especially with eschatology and, you know, heaven and hell. And I'll mm-hmm. say, yeah, what if I told you they're probably both metaphors? And that's yeah. pretty much the way Jesus used them. Yeah. And then I don't say anything else. Often I don't even get a response. But if I do, it's people like, I'm going to pray for you. Awesome. Do that. That would be Ooh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I would love yeah. that. Yeah. We're writing a book with Matthew, Matthew. Yeah. What is that? Um, well, right now it's called Naked and Known. And what it is, is kind of our take on the non-expert, non-advice, uh, how to be married book. <laughs> <laughs> Naked and Known. Um, how to have an authentic, vulnerable marriage or long-term relationship. What excuse me, what happened was he wrote a vulnerable article on his blog and it really resonated with me. And so I reached out to him and wrote my own piggybacking off of his idea. And he published it for me as a guest piece Mm -hmm. and then called me and do you want to write a book? What? (laughs) Our stories are so similar. And I said, are they? And he said, we have a lot of stuff we can, that I have a feeling we share. And so we started talking and kind of sharing a lot about what we've gone through with our marriages and really just felt like maybe if our voices spoke out, it, I don't know, help other people who are going through the same shit we are. Can I swear? Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's where we're at. And it's, yeah, we're... You know, we're you we're using great minds. I mean, it's not just our anecdote, but it is. We 
we really like a conceptual angle of everything. We both do. And he's, um, he's a theological scholar. So he wants to, you know, show through the Bible, through scripture, what we've usually thought about what marriage is and what the roles are and show you what if it looked like this instead. And then how can we show you an anecdotal story from our own marriages to better explain this? And then what did we learn from this and could it benefit you? And because we've both been through some pretty, um, what's the word, uh, overtly controversial instances in our marriage, things that would usually break marriages mm-hmm. would end in divorce. Um, and we've survived them. We figured maybe we had a little bit of a missing piece to add to the puzzle. Yeah. Well, so that's our aim. So many people. And, and I, I don't know what those things are outside of what you said just a few minutes ago. Um, but I know so many people when the world that we live in now, people just pull the escape hatch lever. Yeah. I watched Top Gun the other day because that's I like that movie. Great movie. And, and the only thing I can think of is so many people just use a bad metaphor, pull the escape hatch, and they slam right into the glass and self-destruct everything instead of landing safely in the ocean. Yes. Because they refuse to deal with a plane that's on fire that you can probably fix yeah. if you just yeah. settle the freak down. Um, yes. But they just refuse to. And that's more than marriage. I mean, that's friendships, that's politics, that's church, that's all 70,000 billion denominations of all the different churches. That's it's expectation. That's what expectation does to us. We can't, we can't deal with uncertainty. So we have these constructed expectations of how everything's supposed to be. And as soon as it gets a little hard, well, we're told we can do this and just get out of here. So we do it. And then we wonder why our relationships don't work out and why half of marriages end in divorce because Mm -hmm. It takes work and what the Buddhists say, life is suffering. Well, so is marriage suffering, (laughs) but find the joy in it, Marriage is suffering. Listen up, kids. Yes, it is, (laughs) but it's, it's worthy suffering. Another book, and this just popped into my head. So I don't know if you've read, because I saw your stack that you posted the other day of, uh, it's like 20 books. (laughs) Uh, maybe less than that. I am curious, why were some flipped around? Are those like for a later reveal? Like you're going to turn the little lazy Susan and those here are, we go. Those are the first four books will be, I will be talking about on our podcast bookish. So well then, I wasn't going to show them to you, but I was showing you all my cool, colorful post-it notes. That was a lot of post-it notes. Yeah. Well, you should add a book. And for all I know, it's in one of those reversed ones. And if it is, you can just wink. And since nobody will ever see the video, we'll just edit this out like it never happened. Um, <laughs> there's um, a book on Without Buddha, I Couldn't Be Christian. I think that's the name of it um, by okay. Paul F. Knitter. I don't have that book. I think it's Paul. Paul F. Knitter. He is like the really smart person chair at Union Theological Seminary, which I feel like is close to you, isn't it? Union I don't know. I'm in Minnesota. I think, is it's, it? I, th- I think it's in Minnesota. I think it actually is in Minnesota. I would not be able to verify that. I, I can. <laughs> I, I can. Um, but he uh, he's just a scholar on world religions, period. Just happens to be Christian. But one of his most famous books is, I think it's called Without Buddha, I Could Not Be Christian, or something similar to that. But you've, you've, you've said enough things that I think, I think you would enjoy it. I, yeah, I probably would. Like, I... I'm doing two courses right now on like Buddhism and modern psychology. 
And what flabber it flabbergasted me even to see the title of the chorus, and I went, "Okay, two birds, one stone, sure." So break that and apart. What is that Buddha and modern psychology? Buddhism and modern psychology. Um, well, one of the courses is just it kind of just shows you how the Buddhist thought kind of lines up with. I want to say your best self, I actualized possibility. Oh, how do I say this? Okay. I'm trying to think of my, my course notes here. <laughs> um, well, first it's just a basic introduction into like, um, the, um, what's it called? The Dhaka, the Dukkha. I, I don't want to even, I'm going to mess this up. Okay. Um, so I won't know if you do, I know very little about Buddhism. <laughs> pretend here. Um, kind of an introduction into like the tenets of Buddhism. Oh yeah. And then kind of juxtaposed with what psychological thought what freud what young what um what's the other dude's name that i just got into oh my gosh see i'm screwing this up i can't even think of names um correlating how buddhist thought buddhist prescription can help with mental clarity mental health um and self-actualization and that it was such a bonus for me because we're in our book, we're writing about needs and clear, you know, when you're talking about needs, you're going to, you're going to refer to Maslow's hierarchy and, you know, Buddha, Buddhism has some um, Zen Buddhism has some uh, processes that kind of are in the same sphere of the um, what is it like the six essential human needs of certainty, uncertainty, and then the physiological needs. And, um, I don't know. For me, it was just super interesting because I just never really thought about putting Buddhism with psychology in the first place. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in both big time just because, yeah, new stuff, it challenges my brain. And um, there's when you start really digging, like I started digging more in Buddhism and I started looking more towards Carl Jung and something in Carl Jung drove me back towards Buddhism. And I thought, well, that was weird. And then... <laughs> Jordan Peterson references both Buddhism with modern psychology, goes back to Jung, talks about Buddhist teachings. And so, yeah, if for me, I was like, as I'm learning, I'm like, maybe I'm just supposed to be learning this because it's all just interrelated with everything else that I was reading. Yeah. And it's just pretty interesting. And yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. With whatever you can say, what is your. Of the of the first four episodes, I'm assuming you're recording them, or you already have recorded them. I don't know. Recorded how. a couple, yep, and we still got some more to record on Monday. What are you most expecting about when people hear those? Well, if they're just going to react off of the titles, I think some people are going to react negatively. Um, for instance, on one of our episodes, I'll be discussing Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. Mm, I haven't read that book. Um, it's interesting. Uh, and the, one of the reasons I'm doing, I read his book. I read it last year when it came out. I somehow got, I don't even remember how I discovered Jordan Peterson. It was from a podcast, some other podcast. And I, at first didn't really like him. I thought he was cocky. Mm -hmm. And then I saw another video and I was like, huh. And I think he was like crying in it. And I was like, weird. I didn't even think this guy smiled. This guy even had a smile. And then I got interested in his book and I read it and then I made my son read it. Well, a few chapters because it's a big book and my son's attention span is really little, mm -hmm. but he's 16, 17. So 
I thought there were a couple of uh, key chapters in there that I really liked. And then I started talking about Jordan Peterson and I was like, wow, everybody hates him. <laughs> and I was kind of, I was surprised. you said his name, the first thing I thought is, well, this is going to go one way or the other. I don't yeah. have much of an opinion on him on purpose. I have yeah. refused and to learn much cool. about him. Yeah. Well, and the only reason that I really jived with them is because there was a lot of stuff that he was saying that I was trying to speak to too through like literally writing this book with Matthew. There was some stuff in his book that I'm like, like he gets it. And um, I started sharing some of that stuff. And I think I like pissed someone off when he liked it. And I was like, that's Jordan Peterson. He messaged me and he's like, you really need to learn how to quote people better and put their names down. And I was like, you're mad because you like something Peterson said. Okay. (laughs) There's such contempt and I get it. I mean, I get it. But I think we still have to look for the good in people. And Mm -hmm. he has a lot of really incredible stuff to offer. And I just kind of want to share that perspective. And if people don't agree with me, Mm -hmm. it's cool too. Um, And I actually think that episode, we're like contrasting it. Michelle Collins, she's going to be discussing a feminist book. Like feminist psychology. At the same time? Or those are two different episodes? The same episode. So how would that play with Jordan? I know, right? How I, would it I, play? I, well, I just, I don't um, know. You know. I well, do know. I don't think, I don't think Jordan would disagree. I don't know what her book is about, but I don't think Jordan would disagree. Mm-hmm. I think he's, a lot of people I think have said that he's like anti-feminism, but I, I don't, I don't get that. And I mean, I'm a skeptic when I read people, cause I'm always looking for like, are, are you a racist under there? <laughs> are you, is this? patriarchy stuff i gotta be careful you know i gotta be careful what i'm promoting here don't don't give me any hidden stuff and so i did that with jordan peterson you know like i'm not going to just fall for this guy and then look like an idiot later so i've really gone into it with a fine tooth comb and yeah he says some stuff that i'm like no that's stupid but he says some other things that i think i don't know maybe if people heard this in from this light maybe they'd be like oh He's not so bad. I think people want to hate him because he's kind of hard to label. Mm-hmm. I can't put him in a box. In some of his chapters, I think, is he writing? Is he pro-socialism? You know, and for me, I'm like, why is everybody socialist? They're just rubbing into me. And I don't know if I like it. And <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. And like my husband's cousin reached out to me last night and was like, it, it's, it's, it's starting to grow on you. And I'm like, shut up. I'm not going to admit that, you know. Is it? The ideal of it is mm-hmm. the same way anarchy appeals to me mm. in utopian form. Yeah. That's my kingdom. That's fair. You know? Yeah. The part I, of, so- I, the honestly, part of socialism that appeals to me is, and uh, honestly, I hadn't given it much thought until the lady, I can't say her name and I'm not going to try the, the freshman congressman from New York, um, Alexandria Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah and so I I, I, that's fine I try to not ever talk politics but there was a thing that she said in an interview let's say it was on CNN I don't know what it was on Um, I don't think it was on CNN and she basically said you know like it's it's not really it's morally acceptable for people like a Bezos to live um, the way that they do while some people literally can't afford insulin and I can really get behind that. Like, I don't even, I don't, I don't care about the rest of it so much. Mm-hmm. But I also am a very successful banker 
I, I really wrestle with that. Like there's a part of me that's like, no, we should fix this. And another part of me is like, but if we do, what's that mean for my career? Cause like I literally get paid to help people build and accumulate wealth Yeah, and I'm damn good at it. But <laughs> there's, so there's a that is a moral conundrum, I bet, huh? I know. I I didn't even go to school to do it, and I am good at it. But it also it, it there's a tension. I just tunnel vision it out, I guess. Yeah. So what? Who? If I want to ask this, so I know your podcast is going to be based on you know authors and books specifically. So if you could pick one, and they weren't going to say no, like you wanted to talk to the author, and I don't know if you will ever do that on your show or not. What would it be? Which author? Yeah. Like if you had a book, you had the title in your hand, and you're like, you know, I get, no, I get a magic. Everybody says yes. This is the one that I'm talking to. And this is it. Um, wow. I've never thought about that. Like, kind of like that. Who, if you could pick anyone, who would you have dinner with? And I would never, uh, I would never know what to say. <laughs> if I could, <laughs> but she's, she's not alive. Oh, okay. Can I? One that's not alive or do I have to pick I, one that's I'd living? rather than be alive so it could actually work, but that's fine. You could do a dead one. That's fine. You just end up having to do two if you do that. Just do a dead one. <laughs> well, that's true. A man. I don't know. Yeah, I do. Michelle Alexander. She wrote um, The New Jim Crow. I don't know who her or that book. She wrote The New... Have you heard of the documentary 13th that played on Netflix? I loved that. I did watch okay. that. So it was based off of her book, The New Jim Crow, Michelle Alexander. So why her? She, she's just a, a strong woman and a strong voice who stood up for injustice and has stood against oppression. And I think I just want to sit in her presence and ask her if she feels like progress is being made. Mm. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know that you'll like the answer. I've asked that question almost every episode and yeah. almost every time without batting an eye. They all say, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so sad. That's sad. It is. Well, it's not sad that they say not really. It's What's sad is they're like, nope, I don't even have to think about it. Like, that's the easiest question you've asked all day. Nope. As people listen, what do you want them? What would you? No, here, let me phrase the question this way. What is one thing that human beings can do today that would be generative in their faith? And I don't even really care what their faith is. What should they focus on intentionally that would be generative in whatever their walk of faith is? Be that Christianity, be it Buddhism, be it you know whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, be it Islam. What would that one thing be? To always be generative in their faith. Or something, when I say generative, I mean to have some form of a progress, to do it better either for you or for your community i would say to just always let the love pour out Hmm. keep it pouring out would your husband agree yep (laughs) yes good um i will wrap it up so daniel as people listen to this and then we know that you have a podcast coming out and you also have a book coming out and where do they begin to engage with you Um, well, you can start with bookish.cc and if you log on to that, you can subscribe to find out when we drop and then you can learn how to follow us. Um, Raphael with choir will be setting up all of the fun stuff. I believe we're going to start a uh, Facebook group Mm -hmm. similar to 
you know, what everybody else does with their little podcast mm-hmm. groups. And then you can just look for me on Facebook. I'm not a tweeter. I don't do Insta. You said you're um, not just, a tweeter. No, no. <laughs> um, I look, people like Twitter. That's fine. I, I can't keep up with it. It's too much. So I can handle Facebook, mm-hmm. Danielle Kingstrom on Facebook. Um, and that's it right now. Follow along with choir on Facebook to yeah. get updates on when my book's ready with Matthew and that's cool. Our podcast drops. Yeah. That's good. Good. Well, I appreciate you being here. Um, appreciate your Thank time because you, you have a lot going on between a small city worth of livestock yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then your, your family. So, um, I did. It's have... winter though. This is my slow time. <laughs> oh, really? There's no pigs in the winter? No. Well, he has pigs. I don't, I don't deal with the pigs. I deal with the other, well, my son helps me deal my older son with the other animals. Um, I'm a gardener, like hardcore, like that's my life. That's our food in the winter. So, um, the winter I do as little as possible. So you're like totally self-sustaining. Like you really don't have to run to the grocery store except for just a oh, handful of things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, we have milking cows, so. I don't even know what that looks like. Um, well, good. I'll give you back your evening. I have no idea what time it is there, but thanks so much for, thanks yeah. so much for this. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, me so, too. All right. Thank you. Take Talk care. to you later. Bye. Do you feel like hanging from a cross? Do you feel your paradise is lost? When you're lying wide awake, counting every mistake, do you hate what you've become? There we go. First one in the books. So appreciative of anyone that supports the show in any way. But uh, for a handful, you know, the, the 30 or 40 people of you that, you know, are on Patreon, I am ever thankful. And it is my privilege to do this with you. Uh, and for a few of you, it is an honor to speak with you, learn more about you, to be deeply personal with you. I would argue to do church with you as we discuss faith and life in community with intention. And so to each of you that have done that, thank you. I can't wait to present more of these types of conversations to you. The music today is from an artist that had a new album come out this year that I really like a lot. I don't really know what holds me, but there's something in the way that this band incorporates musicality, for lack of a better word. But the music in today's episode was from Mike Main and The Branches. You'll find links to all that in the show notes, and the tracks obviously is still going to be are still going to be on the the Spotify playlist for Can I Say This at Church that separate feed. If you're not listening to that and you use Spotify, man, that is on you. You need to fix that. It is a fantastic playlist. I am biased, but I find each song takes me back to the episodes uh, and the emotions of that episode is in a way that only music can. But even if you haven't heard the episodes the songs are from, the music is just really good. Uh, It's eclectic. It's not all of one genre. And so it's been an honor and a privilege to incorporate those artists and go and listen, support them any way you can. I'll talk with you next week. Be blessed, everybody.
Everybody needs a little bit of sunshine A torch to light and carry through the dark night My story's the same as yours Different details in between Lost my faith, once was blind Then I saw the light